Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, a show that's by sports PTs and for sports PT professionals. We're here to accelerate growth in your sports PT career while giving you the tools to provide your athletes with game-changing results. Here's your host, sports physical therapist and practice owner, Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Today's guest is an all-time great. He's NFL defensive lineman Chris Wormley, and he's had a great career to date. He played three years for the Baltimore Ravens. He was drafted in the third round out of the University of Michigan, and then was traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers and played three years there. Uh, He also has torn each of his ACLs and had them reconstructed and that he does a great job here of really diving into what it's like rehabbing that ACL at a division one powerhouse at Michigan and comparing and contrasting that to rehabbing it while in the building uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL and then also what it's like to continue that rehab privately at his home up in Michigan as he built out an entire rehab team to help him get back on the field and perform his best. He has a a number of outstanding attributes. Both physically, he is just a hulking dude at 300 pounds and six foot five and and explosive at that. Um, But also in terms of his mental makeup and his intellectual capacity and curiosity. And we touch on all those things in this conversation. I think there's a lot here to dig into and a lot to learn for the sports physical therapist, how we can cater our offerings to the athlete in front of us, how to do that well, and how to really connect. Worm does an awesome job during this conversation of of connecting to the audience. Uh, And there's so much there to pick up. So hope you guys learn a lot. I hope you share this. I hope you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Learn, share it, spread the word, and we can't wait to hear from you. If you have any feedback on this episode or, or anything else, feel free to hit us up, True Sports PT on Instagram, or you can send me a personal email, Yoni, Y-O-N-I, at truesportspt.com. That's where we get a tremendous amount of the topics that we cover here. That's where we get a tremendous amount of feedback. Um, and we're always trying to make this show better. So don't hesitate to reach out. Enjoy this conversation with my buddy, Chris Wormley. Welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. We've got Chris Big Worm Wormley with us today. <laughs> One of my absolute favorite humans who also happens to play in the NFL. I got to meet Chris while um, he spent some time in Baltimore. And then uh, he moved on to some other football squad. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right. I always forget. In case you forgot, yeah. Yes, I always forget. Um, quick reminder to everyone listening, today's podcast is brought to you by Clipper City Capital, the absolute yes. best place to put your money and watch it grow. So if you earn any type of of income, meaning you're pumping gas in Jersey and you're earning 15 bucks an hour, or you're chasing down quarterbacks and earning way more than that, check out my boys at Clipper City Capital. They will make your capital grow. Okay, Worm, task at hand. Um, it, it's great to see you again, but since you and I last spoke, um, unfortunately, you tore an ACL. I did. It was yeah. uh, against the Ravens, I think week 14 of the season. And uh, yeah, it was it was one of those things that like, I, I would consider it non-contact. I was getting out of my stance and just, I think, overextended a little bit with my left foot, planted outside of my body, and there she went. 
There she went. And there she went. Walk me through all the way because sometimes I think NFL athletes experience this differently. So you hear that pop or you feel it go, right? You're an ACL vet. You've been here before. So you've torn your ACL previously. Um, What is it like undergoing an ACL uh, reconstruction and then rehab at the NFL level? Um, The second time around, it's a lot easier. And I, I don't want to say easier, but I think I'm a lot more mentally stronger. Uh, I am, you know, 11 years older than when I first tore my ACL. Um, I think I have better resources now, which has made it easier. Um, but it's it's a grind. It's what I've what I've gone through in the last six months is probably the hardest, the hardest I've ever worked at something other than like my wife and kids and all that. All that family stuff. Um, all that, all but tearing my ACL is, <laughs> yeah. The ACL, this coming back from this is like the hardest I've ever worked at at any single thing. Just solely focused on, let's get this knee back to where I was, you know, six and a half months ago. Yeah, and well, that's really saying something. So, you know, you're speaking to an audience of sports physical therapists, um, but. I've spent a lot of time with you, Worm, and you are a hard-ass worker. Like, like, before this happened, you're one of the hardest-working dudes I know. So for you to say that, um, that, that's really saying something. As soon as you feel it go, just walk me through some, some of the highlights that happen to get you all the way to now, which is six months post-op. I like how you call it a highlight and not... It's highlights. Yeah, it's highlights. Like a recovery. The it's a highlight. Um, Dr. Bradley, first off, the surgeon... Uh, put me back together. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't just ACL. It was, I had a chip bone kind of right above my medial, uh, meniscus, um, uh, parts of my medial meniscus and lateral meniscus were taken out ACL, LCL sprain. Um, they were surprised I didn't dislocate my knee and l- looking back when they said that, I was like, okay, I definitely felt my, you know, top of my knee, bottom of my knee kind of go like this, but it snapped back. And yeah. luckily I think I have a pretty strong MCL, which is nice. Um, but after that, you know, I had a December 16th and, you know, five days later I was, I was back in the, in the facility rehabbing, uh, rehab there for two months until they, uh, until they kicked me out when I was a free agent, spent another month at a place in, in Pittsburgh, um, before we moved back to Michigan, which is our off season home. Um, in the last two, two and a half months now, I've been putting in just as much work, um, trying to increase my load, increase the lateral movements, increase you know, plyometrics, all those things to get the to get the nerves and the neurons or whatever those medical terms are that you know a lot yeah, more than I do. The neurons. To the neurons to get the brain and the knee and you know the calf and the quad and the hamstring and all those other muscles that are around the knee uh, working together again. Um, and there's definitely been more days than good, or more bad, more good days than bad. And nice. uh, I'm, uh, it's it's just a steady process. I love that. I love your, I love your approach. Um, you said you waited five days to walk into rehab. Was there, was there a talk as to, Hey, we want to start it sooner or did anyone want you to wait longer? Like where'd you come up? Um, five days? Yeah, there was definitely some talk of like, Hey, let's, let's maybe wait two weeks. And I'm like, I, I don't think I have two weeks. Like <laughs> I tore it December 16th, nine months from December 16th is September 16th. And that's, I think that's right after week one of the season. So it's like, I don't have a lot of time to to wait around, 
if it was at the beginning of the season, you know, that's almost a full year of rehab where I can maybe take my time a little more. Um, so my approach was being aggressive, but also while being smart and listening to my body um, and pushing it when I felt like I could and, and backing off when, when I felt like I needed to as well. Um, but I guess like each week or each, each milestone that I've been hitting, it's like, how does it feel? Can we go far farther? Can we push it harder? Um, what do we need to back off on? What do we need to spend a little more time on? Um, yeah. And I think the team that I've built here in Michigan has really been, uh, it's been a, a collaborative effort to uh, to get me back to where I am now and, and you know, hopefully three months from now, uh, rocking and rolling. I love that. I love the way you put, hey, I built myself a team um, in Michigan because that's really what it takes. It's what you hopefully would have had should you have stayed in-house with the Steelers. Um, and that's so important. But by, by the way, probably in business also, like when you're setting out to achieve some goals, like you got to figure out who are the guys, like who's sitting in your foxhole as Goggins would say, and like, who's, who's the expert at this? Who's the expert at that? And how do I bring them together so that, you know, it can prop me up and push me forward during that early phase. You said you were in uh, Pittsburgh for how long? I was with, I was with the Steelers for, I guess it was really like the first three months of my rehab, okay. uh, up until like May or March 15th when free agency started. Okay. So first three months, let's hone in on maybe that first week or so. Um, tell me exactly what therapy looked like, because remember all the people listening to this pod or, or a lot of people listening to this pod really don't know what goes into rehabbing an NFL player in house. I'm, I'm super curious as to exactly what that looked like. What did your sessions look like really early on? I mean, it was really just, let's try and get some of this fluid out. You know, you can't really bend your knee a whole lot. Um, a lot of Russian stim, uh, where they put the, put the, the stem pads on you and try and get your, get your quad to contract without you really doing a whole lot. Yep. Um, a lot of ice, um, single leg, like, uh, raises from, you know, on your back on a training table, a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of those things. Um, but really for me, like, I don't know if like, if that really helped, I mean, I, th I definitely helped a lot with, with the process and getting started again, but like just being back in, in a, in the training facility, being back around the guys, you know, seeing them in between meetings and things like that, like that really boosted my morale instead of being on the couch, bugging my wife, having her refill my, my game ready every 15 minutes with ice, you know, it's so being able to go back there and just spending some time with the guys and, and obviously getting some good work in, uh, I thought was, was critical that first two, three weeks. Yeah. Love that. And, um, okay. So you're doing game ready, a lot of recovery stuff, a lot of hands-on, maybe massage stuff. Are they pushing your knee down into extension? Are they pushing it down into flexion? What, what are they doing to get that motion back? One of your favorites, you know, the prone hang. Uh, I love the a lot prone of, hang. A, a lot of prone hangs, a lot of, uh, you know, face up with, uh, you know, formal or underneath, underneath the heel, just letting love it sit, it. putting a little weight on it, a little That's bit of, a, you know, weight on the too. knee. I like that better. Letting it hang. Um, and that was that was tough. Like, to, I remember you texting me like, "Have you gotten to an hour yet?" And I'm like, "I haven't even gotten to like ten minutes yet." Like ten minutes was, and to, I mean, I'm not doing anything. It's not like I'm exerting effort. It just is painful. And I think a lot of people that don't that don't get to go to rehab for five days a week, that don't get, you know, the knowledge of, you know, real deal PTs, they miss out on that. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, overcompensate, uh, don't get to full flexion, don't get to full extension. Yep. And it 
either prolongs the rehab or they have to go back and fix things and clear, clear out scar tissue and all these other hosts of things that, um, really can hinder your, your recovery. I love it. I, I think I hear is that there's no way it's Maeve running around in the back. Yeah. I think uh spade dropped something upstairs <laughs> and, uh, I'm a little scared to, to ask what it was. I think you're smart. You're smart. Let's, let's keep you focused while I got you. Yeah. So, um, okay. So those things should show up kind of anywhere you're doing good rehab. Like we, God, I have not shut up since I started this podcast about getting terminal knee extension post-op ACL. That's why I texted you immediately to make sure that they're hounding you on that. Now you yep. tore your, was it the same knee that you tore in college or the other one? Uh, different one. Okay. You only different got two. So, so it's the, it's the other yeah. one. The left and, this time, right was, you know, 11 years ago. Okay, so how did this differ as a Steeler versus when you were uh, with the Michigan Wolverines? You tore it then. Yeah, freshman, two weeks into into fall camp, as a you know, as an eighteen year old kid just getting onto campus. Um, I think the biggest thing, like I said, was just I was just more mentally tougher, stronger, mm-hmm. uh, more resilient. Did um, the rehab I'd look been, the same? For the first part, I would say um, okay. it's kind of hard to like I. You know, people are like, oh, like you've been, you've been through this before, like you know exactly what to do, and I'm like, I try to repress those memories, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, but you know, the, the same kind of milestone markers, like let's get you off crutches within you know the first three to four weeks. Let's get you you know full extension, full flexion in X amount of time. You know, let's get you running in three to four months. All these things that you kind of try and keep in the back of your head, like okay, I remember doing this, I remember doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing, like even just think about it now, like so I tore my ACL August 2012 and I was back for spring ball like March of 2013. How crazy So it was that? like six and a half, seven months. And thinking about it now, like would I be able to suit up and play football right now in two weeks? Like the answer is no, Yeah. Like, to be honest. So um, what's the difference? So uh, that sounds I think totally I was, different. I think I was, t- I was naive. I mm-hmm. Didn't know how to speak up for myself at that time as an 18 year old kid having trainers and doctors and all people saying, Hey, go for it. You know, you're good. Go for it. Strap up, strap up, go, mm-hmm. go test that knee out. You know, I had a knee brace on, but like that's, I, I tore my ACL with a knee brace on. Uh, so it's like, wh- what do those really do? You know, that in the back of my head as, as a 19 year old now, I'm like, what is this really going to do for me? Um, but I made it through spring ball, made it through the season and like still wasn't like, feeling that great but i was i was out there you were playing I was happy to be playing i was playing yeah yeah i wonder if that's a product of um that's michigan and you not speaking up for yourself maybe i'm not ready or i bet you that was that was what 10 years ago mm-hmm. i bet i think that's what sports medicine looked like then i i know yeah. me personally if you if i was rehabbing you in 2012 i'm pushing you like hell to be on the field at six months because that's what Adrian Peterson did, and that's what really studies supported. I think we've come a long way since then. I mean, now you and I always talk about it. Like we're, we're looking at the nine-month time frame, and the longer you wait, the less chance you re-rupture. Mm-hmm. Um, so like having that in mind, um, both graphs were patellar tendon. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Okay, so any issues with the, the graph side? Have you had any um, anterior knee pain? Um. Not like real issues where it's I would consider it a setback, but like you know I have a hard day of exercises, you know PT into lifting, especially mm-hmm. when I started jogging and running. Definitely felt that 
uh, that graph site pain, which I think is normal. Um, mm-hmm. but now I have the tools to like kind of mitigate that pain, you know, that the team that I talked about, um, I've kind of continued to build and like, you know, the soft tissue work, the massages, sauna and cold tub, all that stuff I have at home. I have a gym full of stuff now that like, I just, I just poke on my body basically of like things, you know, the Normatex, the, the Preventus machine. That's, that's been a, a game changer, especially early on in the process. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, I have all these tools that I can kind of pull from and, and, and try and, uh, you know, mitigate that, that pain or that, that swelling and, and get back faster. This ain't college worm. That's what I'm hearing. You got all these tools, you got all these toys, you just got more at your disposal. Um, yep. that should definitely help you lesson. There is by the way, you know, you mentioned Proventus. I work with a ton of college athletes that looked like college worm with a similar type of bank account. Although I bet you their bank account is bigger than yours was with this NIL <laughs> must stuff. Be nice. Must, must be, be nice. freaking nice. Um, <laughs> but, but if you have a good team, they can figure out, okay, what will insurance cover? Will they cover something like a Preventus or a game ready? Will they cover all types of interventions? I think a lot of times that's lost on the athlete. It shouldn't be lost on the sports PT that's working with those athletes to get your patients the absolute best. It doesn't have to necessarily cost an arm and a leg. Um, are you doing any exercise intervention for that anterior knee pain? Are you doing any knees over toes, stuff like that? Are they talking to you about a lot that? A knees over toes stuff. Um, backwards sled like walks are like a, a daily nice. thing at, at the gym. Um, but as far like, I know, I'll just say, Hey, my, I got this grass site pain. Um, they, do two or three exercises or we spend a little more time on the soft tissue. Um, I have this, this fascia guy that, that has been great. His name is, um, his name is Tim Adams. Timmy. And, uh, he's been great. Uh, I see him like every other week and, uh, he's really been not just, not just my knee, but like my, 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 the rest of my body, he's been able to, to kind of work and, and, uh, get it to where it needs to be. Um, so like I said, just, just this team that I continuously build, um, it it's I think it's what it takes to to stay in the NFL. I mean, if if I didn't play football right now, like I would tell you, I'm I'm healthy. Like I can You're I good. could go golf right now. I could I could swim. I could you know I can jump. I can run straight. It's like all these things. If I wasn't playing football, would be the norm, mm-hmm. and I'd be cleared. But I also know in the back of my head, like I'm a football player, and I play defensive line with two 300 pound men pushing on me every single play. And that looks a little different than just being, you know, the, the, the dad who can, can play on the ground with his kids and, and play soccer and stuff, you know, in the backyard. Yeah. What, what are you, what are you tracking? How are you tracking your progress as you move through this? How do you know when you're ready to move on? Um, I, I'm, I'm a big, like feel guy. Like how do I feel? And that, that can change daily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we, we ramp things up and see how I respond the next day. Um, but you know, just like those normal milestones, those markers that we've talked about, um, you're using my day to day, you use like, a, um, I have an force plate ring. stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. Aura awesome. Ring. That, that's, that's been great. Um, as far as like tracking my sleep, um, you know, calories burned, all that stuff for the activity, my overall healthy score, HRV. Um, has been has been really cool to see like right after surgery how terrible that number was compared to where it is now um, it's really really cool to see and like I can feel it and most of the time I can wake up and be like okay 
I am either recovered or not recovered, or I'm a little so- more sore than usual. And this aura ring just kind of helps me, uh, you know, it just confirms what I'm feeling that day. Usually like I'm, I have a pretty good sense of how my body's feeling and this just kind of confirms things. Um, what about, um, but yeah, force plate split. You do. Okay. Yep. So your PT has got force, force plates. That's awesome. Did the Steelers yep. use any of that in house while you were with them for three months? Um, no. And the, the force plates are at the place that I, you know, I work out in. So go and do PT and then go over and work out. But we'll do, um, a lot of different force plate things, whether it's single leg jumps, single leg landings, double, le- double leg landings. I've, uh, put them under my feet for like squats. Like when I do, mm-hmm. you know, back squats, just to see that, you know, what that compensation looks like as far mm-hmm. as left leg, right leg, how much, and it gives you a percentage, um, which has been really helpful. Um, because you might think that you're even when you're going down in a squat, but as soon as, you know, your left leg is working hard, but it, it could be working harder. It could be put in a better position. Your hips could be turned a little different. Um, It'll show your you. Knee could be, your knee could be valgus. That's a, that's a good word. Yeah, I, I've, good, dude. I've been hearing a lot lately. Um, a lot of brains over there, Worm. I try, man. <laughs> yeah, you're I doing try. great. It's crazy <laughs> that you got on the field at six months at Michigan. Were you doing any of this, any of that force plate stuff then? I don't think so. Like, it's crazy. Like I said, I, re- I, tried, I tried to repress a lot of those memories, but also like I don't think it was just like let's just see what you can do, and then here, here you are for spring ball. Go, yeah. go play. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Okay, so I love getting into what athletes think of PTs because obviously – you're the consumer. You're always right. And I love hearing from you guys what it is that you think matters during the rehab process so we can educate the sports PTs, the masses of sports PTs. What do you think makes the ideal sports PT session for you? What can the PT do to provide a great session? Um, I think, I don't know if it's going to answer the question or not, but I think for me, like I, I know how to get like my quads bigger and my glutes bigger and my hamstrings and calves and all that stuff. But like, for me, it's like those fine motor muscles, the ones that like you don't work on a day-to-day basis, um, that when you tear an ACL, they really come into play. Um, as far as like your control and how well you can like decel and accelerate. Um, so all of those things, I think, especially when it's like a strength day, um, that comes into play. Like, okay, like I, I know my quads like firing. I know my glutes like activated, but like, what about like the smaller glute muscles, the smaller muscles in and around my knee, the back of my knee, all those things, um, play a huge role that I think not a lot of people, uh, realize. Yeah. So, so a good session would be a PT kind of bringing that to light and figuring out how to test those things and how to challenge those things. Mm-hmm. Like even, like on my right, uh, my right side, like I have like this kind of foot ankle impingement and my foot drops in Dude, I um, that. and that, that, yeah, it causes like my right hip to like post out as far, like when I'm squatting so I can find more room in my hip and all of that kind of, uh, you know, just all those compensations are affecting not just my right side, but my left side and just like. Obviously, my left knee is like the most important thing to focus on, but we'll we'll take a day to like focus on right hip, 
right ankle, which also helps with the right knee uh, for, you know, when I get back on the field. Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome to hear. So, so really highlighting the little things, digging into those details as a sports PT seems like it brings a bunch of value to you. Um, is that right? Is that what you, you're saying? Yeah, I want somebody that, uh, like, uh, there's been times where I've used a PT, not you, obviously, that uh, in wait in Baltimore? No, not in Baltimore. This okay. was like okay, just, uh, just in, in Michigan. Sure. I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll clarify in Michigan somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, not the PT I've been using now. That I'll have to like almost tell them how to do their job. And I'm not a PT. I didn't go to school. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Doctor Yoni. I didn't. Sure, I sure. didn't. I didn't. I didn't earn that right to tell somebody how to do their job. But doing enough PT, like I know kind of what I need for the most part. Um, and that doesn't like tick me off, but I'm like, okay, like I want, I need you to do more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if like their, if their bandwidth is not as high as most people's. And I know a lot of people take like, you know, like those continuing ed classes and some take a whole lot more than, than what they're supposed to take, which is reassuring to an athlete, especially an athlete, yeah. um, that needs to, needs to get back on the field to, to make a living. Yeah. I- that's that's totally worthwhile, and I mean I, that's why I love running into athletes like you that are just al- always thinking, just always as like as heady as you are, because I know that you know what you need, and I look at that as a resource. Um, but for the PTs out there that are maybe a Chris Wormley walks in, think about okay, what does this guy need to do for his job, and how do I provide a session catered around that? I think you mentioned the little muscles and how important that is. And I think there is a good lesson in there. I think like the the next level, like sports PT on steroids is saying, okay, this is what a post-op ACL needs, but this is what Wormley needs. Wormley plays this position from this body angle. He's attacking as such. How do I, number one, deconstruct those moves, but number two, make the drill position specific. Make the drill Wormley specific. Today I was working with a linebacker. God, he has taught me so much about body positioning and change of direction, specifically for the way he sees the field, which is different than the way you do and different than the way any offensive player would. And I listen to him talk about the way he reads coverages and the angles he needs to hit. And then I take that and I develop the drill based on that, right? So he's always talking about striking and how he wants to strike um, the blocker, I guess, or the offensive player far away from him to stun him. And so he can move on. And so the drill became, okay, we're going to work on foot intrinsic. We're going to float your heel off of a step and make you stabilize because you're coming back from ACL, but you're going to stun me and I'm going to be coming at you from different angles. I was using a fizz ball because otherwise he would take my life from me, but, <laughs> but just so that I am trying to mimic what he has to do. Um, I think there's a lot of value that, that we can bring, and that's what separates sports PT from standard PT. Let me, let me move from ACL to strength and conditioning because mm-hmm. Worm, I've worked with a lot of football players. Very few of them are built like you at 300 pounds, um, but kind of look like you have a very proportional build. Um, and, and the weight that you carry is muscular weight, which is just really tough to do at 300 pounds. So I think because of that, I know I've learned a lot of from the strength and conditioning world from you. 
you've now you've been through Michigan, you've been through Baltimore, you've been through Pittsburgh. All of those different spots have different takes on strength and conditioning. What? Very. Yeah. So, what modes have worked best for you to play at your best? It's that's a good question because I think every even even every off season, like I'm trying to do something different, add something, take something away, try and do something better. Um, but I think for me, it's and and it it changes too, like. At the beginning of the offseason, like I'm just trying to feel good again. So like what does that look like? It's a lot of like higher reps, less weight, um, mobil a lot of mobility. Um, then you kind of move into like a strength phase and then a power phase, and all of that can change too. Like um where I train at in Michigan, they're big into like cleans and Olympic lifts and poles and all that stuff. And which I'm doing, but I'm not I'm not catching i'm not power cleaning and catching the bar and it's sitting on me anymore so mm -hmm. how do we change how do we get the same result with a different less impactful uh movement and we have these mm -hmm. kaiser machines that have been phenomenal um in doing that um you know it's 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 air it's aired weight if that's the right mm -hmm. word i don't know yeah yeah air what i would use compressed air yep. whatever it is um so that's been really good and just being able to have that collaborative talk with my strength trainer. Like, Hey, I want to do this, but this is hurting me today or I'm not, not feeling right. What can we do to achieve the same thing or almost the, the same thing? Mm -hmm. And without, without hindering, you know, strength or speed or power just for that day. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that you have a, you know, a collaborative relationship. Give me some advice. I know you to be, very intellectual, you know, your body, you're a vet at this point. So I can rely on the information you give me. What do I do with a younger guy who doesn't know their body as well? I know I need them to do X and they tell me, nah, you know what? I'm not feeling that. That's not best. How do I handle that situation appropriately? Sometimes it's, it's hard because sometimes you just have to let them figure that out on their, on their own. And that can be detrimental right? because uh, a lot of guys get hurt once and, and will never have that opportunity again to, to play or get healthy or they keep getting re-injured or they just get, you know, look past or, you know, are, will never be on a team again. And my advice would be, especially a guy who's, you know, a professional athlete that's getting paid is like spend the money on your body and not on things that aren't going to make you a better player. And eventually you'll be able to spend your money on those things, whether it's the trips or the cars or the chains or the, the, the after, you know, the, the nightlife, all those things that, you know, shoot, I'd love to have, you know, a, a Lamborghini or, you know, those, those nice looking diamond chains. I think I'd look nice with one of those, but I would pay to see you fit into a Lamborghini. <laughs> you don't want but a Lamborghini. <laughs> I, I'm just, I don't, I really don't, but to, to have, to think like, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of dollars a year on my body versus all those other things I just talked about. I think it took me even a couple of years to figure that out. And each year I find myself spending more money on my body. I find myself finding better ways, more cutting edge things that, uh, sometimes you just don't normally, you would, you would, you wouldn't normally think of doing, 
Um, but as you know, this body continues to break down, I got to f- continue to find ways to, to, to keep up with the young guys that are coming in. I'm almost 30, which is, which is old for a defensive lineman in the league. Um, especially when these guys are coming in at 21, 22. Um, so the, the money that I put into my body, I hopefully, hopefully is paying off these next four to five years. Yeah, and, and listening to to the way you've attacked this rehab, obviously it comes with a certain amount of grit, but also this this high level of curiosity. And, and you are one of the more curious individuals that I've had the pleasure of working with, and I think that's why our sessions constantly ran overtime. It made me even later for the next patient than I was for you. Um, yep. Where do you, where does that intellectual curiosity come from? I just I just like knowing things. And learning things. I don't know, maybe watching Jeopardy as a kid. But my wife was always like, she'll ask a question and like I'll just and she won't expect me to know the answer and I just I just somehow know it. Like I don't know. I have a lot of maybe maybe it's just useless information that's stored in my head. Uh it's but a I don't big know. I just head. have like there's this, a lot of information in that head. Yeah. <laughs> um but I I, I don't I don't know. I've always I've always tried to not just be put into a box or to fit a certain mold. And a lot of times you see, I don't know, a big half black guy, you automatically think like athlete or whatever, whatever, whatever the mold someone tries to put me in. I'm like, I'm going to try and surprise you or make you rethink what you thought of me. Um, So maybe that's, that's a little bit of it is trying to like prove people either wrong or prove somebody that I'm not just like this athlete. Worm, do you, remember the fir- do you remember the first time I met you and how you surprised me? First time I met you. First of all, uh, go ahead. Yeah, first time you we, met me. What's, what's, the, what's the clinic? Woodbridge, Woodbury? Very good. Woodbine. Wood, Woodbine. Woodbine. There we go. So you, um, did an awesome, you did an awesome job of surprising me on that visit because I squeeze you in. You come in. It's Friday. And I'm like, uh, I'm... I'm sorry, like, uh, you know, this, usually the sessions will be longer. This session's going to be abbreviated because it's crazy. Like, I have to run home because you know, the sun is setting. I know that sounds crazy. And you, Worm, <laughs> at six foot five, 300 pounds, half black, as you said, um, you're like, oh, yeah, for Shabbat, right? I'm like, Worm. No, I'm like, Mr. Wormley. How, how did you know that? And then you went on to tell me, well, I spent time in Israel, and I know this, and I know that, and it's really impressive. You also, when you talk about your curiosity, I think it was you, it might have been Burton, who came in with a list of questions about the, what, what was the name of there was a, the There Jewish was like a Netflix, TV. there was a Netflix show, and it was like the ultra-Orthodox Jews, and it, you know, I spent, I spent three weeks in, in Israel, and and learned a bunch and obviously getting to know you for over those last like two years before that Netflix series came out, I learned a lot, but there were still some things that like, I didn't know if they were just trying to embellish things or what, but like, I, I just had some questions, a list, which was, I believe typed out in 11. It was my, it was my notes. Oh, it was yeah. Notes. So I had to, it was in my notes. So I had to, you know, I was, as I was watching it, the series, I would, I would write the questions down. And once I had, I felt like I had a good enough selection. I, I presented them to you. It's it's really, it's incredible. So I learned a ton about not trying to put people in boxes from you. So, so I really appreciate that. I also had the ability to have you over for Shabbat dinner 
And my kids were, first of all, like amazed that humans actually come in that size. Like when you walk, when you have James Hurst and I over at the same time, it just—it's a lot of big people. It's a little, lot of big people. (laughs) A lot of big people. So, but when you came in, their take on you was not he's so big. Yes, they said that at first, but it was like he's so nice, and I think that's really true about you because I've seen you interact with my staff. I've seen you interact with other PTs um, and, and other players. You are you're super nice and you're super humble. Now, six five. 300 pounds, you've earned a little bit of money in your life, you've, people recognize that your feet, because you got a size 27 <laughs> foot, and, and you have a distinct voice, the point is you stick out, how do you stay nice and humble? Um, that was a lot of ass kicking, kissing where I'm... No, thank you, I'll take that, <laughs> um, and I'll give you a humble answer, yeah, okay. I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's easier to be nice especially to people that like, I don't know, like, especially as I get older, I realize like people have like, people think that I have something to like offer them or like give them because I play football. But like my thought process is like, you know more about whatever your job is than I do. And if I'm curious about that, like I, I don't want to come off like arrogant and be like, Oh, I don't care that you're a teacher or that you're a lawyer or that you're, uh, a plumber, it's like you can be resourceful for me at, in some points, or maybe I just want to like know more about like why you do what you do and how you do it. Um, I, I, growing up, I was always like the biggest kid. So like, I think I wanted to show, like I said, just, I didn't want to be put into a box of like, Oh, he's big and mean and angry and scary. It's like, no, like this is just how I was born. I was just a big person and I can still be nice and I can still be humble um, but there are times where like, I'm, I'm not nice. You can ask my daughter, my three-year-old daughter, and she'll tell you otherwise. Um, but I think it just comes from having like, just like this ground level respect for people that I can learn something from you or I can gain something from you. And it's easier to, uh, access those things when I'm nice do do you feel like humility is a trait that you work on? Um not not anymore. It was something that and I think I've always been like a humble person. Like I've never been the one to like showboat or like shove in your face, maybe to my friends, but in like a playful way, like back and forth. Like that's just kind of how I grew up. All my friends were athletes and still are, so it's like we interact in like a different way than I would with like my neighbors across the street who I'm friends with now. Um, but I think for a while it took me like, it was never like a hard thing to do. Like, Oh, worm, you got to be humble. You got to show people that like you're this way versus that way. But it's just something that like, I, this is how I want to interact with the world and it's worked out for me so far. And, Okay, so how do you flip that switch? How do you get uber competitive when you need to? How do you get mad productively when you need to? Because I got to assume every Sunday that has to happen in season. Yeah, and like it's – I wouldn't even call it like getting mad. Like I'm not not mad at anybody really <laughs> except for maybe Pat Ricard who's behind me when he's – There you go. Oh, well, let me tell you why to... I'm mad at Pat Ricard because you got a Pat Ricard jersey. I don't have one of those. I got a Wormley jersey. Oh, uh, 
you got to take that up with him. <laughs> I don't Just know. Send him a text. Send him a text. Would, would, yeah, yeah, I'll let, I'll <laughs> let him know. Um, but it's 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 just like that's just my job. My job is to do a certain Mash thing people. on the football field. Yes, that's part of the the job description. But it's I I don't have to. I don't think I have to be mad to do my job at a high level. I have to be strong. I have to be fast. I have to think on my feet. I have to understand certain situations and be able to adjust and handle adversity and the ups and downs of a football game. But like, I don't have to be like, I I hate you. Cause like a lot of people, like I know, like a lot of the, you know, whether I've trained with them before, I've played against them, you know, twice a year for six years. Like I have with some Bengals and Browns players. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't have to be like an angry thing it can be like a competitive like aggressive thing i would say i could be aggressive but i'm not like mad at anybody or like trying to like hurt somebody yeah it it did like you do a good enough job of keeping that competitive nature in check that i got a kick out of your text exchanges with ricard on pittsburgh baltimore weekends i mean it's just good freaking banter so yeah one day one day those will come to light okay so you got a beautiful growing family you have a very driven wife um who runs her own business offbeat native which i encourage all of our listeners to to go check out and spend millions of dollars buying outstanding women's clothing just women's just women's yeah yeah uh, spend millions of dollars so i can become a stay-at-home dad in a few short years there you go. I love that. Um, all of that to say, let's jump into our lightning round. Okay. Ooh. Okay. okay. Worm. Yeah. You ready? Okay. <laughs> Quick answers. Don't think too long. Ready? What is your feel on pets? No. What do you mean? No. No pets in the house. Why? No dogs, no cats. Why? Why? I know what a pet is, Worm. Why? We, I don't, they're, they're dirty. I don't, I'd be the one to take care of them. Um, I'd rather have like 10 kids than a dog, so. I love that. Let me jump on this bandwagon. I don't, did you, have you and I spoken about this? I don't think so. Dude, I freaking, I freaking hate dogs. Here's what you think (laughs) about dogs. They're going to die and you're going to be really sad and it's totally different than the investment worm that you're making in your kids' lives because they're going to take care of you when you're older. And they actually know the difference between mommy and daddy as opposed to just someone who's feeding them. And that's why kids are better than dogs. Please send all your hate mail to Chris Wormley. But I'm totally with you. You definitely can send it my way. I'll, I'll read every single piece and, and, and enjoy it. Listen, I, I like dogs. Like when, If a dog comes up to me, I'll, I'll pet it. If I'm at my friend's house and there's a dog... Hey, what's up? You know, what's up, Buster? How you doing, buddy? But like, to spend time and money and effort into a into a dog, I just I have better time. I can spend my time in a better way. Uh, I love that. Okay, talk to me about how you feel about milk. Um, I think it's necessary, but do you drink it? I'm not. I've I have never drank drinking drink a glass sure. of milk. Why, worm? That's bizarre. But why? It just is. I don't like the smell of it. <laughs> what, what about lactate milk? Any different for you? No. No. Okay. I, I, mean, I put it in cereal. Like I put it with like, you know, when I'm making food, like all that stuff is cool. But like just to sit and have like a glass of milk, it just. Okay. What about chocolate milk? Me. 
Yeah, when I was a kid. I feel like that's like a kid drink, like like 12 and below. 12 and below. Okay, that's your, that's your cutoff. Okay, that's next. Cutoff. Cinnamon rolls. How do you feel oh, about man. cinnamon rolls? That's like God's gift to earth right there, man. I mean. <laughs> Tell me a story about cinnamon rolls, Worm. I can take it back to Baltimore days. Take me back to uh, Baltimore. <laughs> there's a guy. You're going to have to help me out with the last name, but Ellie. Is that his name? Okay, could be. That he, sounds like uh, a Jewish name. Yeah, he was he was he was he was Jewish. Yes. He uh I don't know, I had this thing where one of the rookies didn't bring me cinnamon rolls during camp and I filled his truck with like packing peanuts. Um just a just a fun prank and it turned into like this peanuts? How many packing peanuts? 720 pounds. Or 720 That's a gallons. lot of pa- dude. 720 okay, like gallons. Okay. Um, so it, was, it filled up his truck and it made like kind of like the news and all that stuff. And Cinnabon eventually uh, sponsored a couple like breakfasts for us at the facility, which was great. Um, but there was a Baltimore fan who brought them to the game and it was a preseason game and I was done playing and I went to the stands and got them from, from them and I was actively eating them on the sidelines. Um, I think they were tasty cakes. Um, cinnamon, cinnamon rolls, but I'm I'm a fan of all cinnamon rolls, all all types. Do you have a preference? Uh, homemade. Uh, I had some. So there's this bakery, there's this deli shop called Zingerman's in uh, in Ann Arbor. It's a famous yeah. uh, it's a famous like sandwich shop. They have like a they have a Roadhouse too, but they have a bakery as well. And my wife got some of those for Father's Day two weekends ago, and they were pretty good. They're probably one of the best, better ones I've had in a while, but. Anytime there's one at you know at a coffee shop or the or a breakfast shop or anywhere, I just I'll pick one up and and give it a taste. You go, you will. Um, okay, so much for pa- a lightning round. Favorite favorite packaged cinnamon roll, like already made. Yeah, what do you hope to see on that Seven Eleven shelf? Oh, the uh, the big Texas. It comes big in a purple Texas. packet. Big Texas uh, cinnamon rolls. They come you, usually in vending machines. You put that in the, the microwave. Sam's can for sure yeah okay the correct answer by the way is mrs freshly's they make the best cinnamon roll google that Uh, have them send it to you okay last but not least lightning round ready what book are you in the middle of or what podcast can you recommend to me to be better podcast to be better or book what are you in the middle of educate us worm i just i just read this book on uh i finished it but i just read this book on forgiveness Ooh. Um, in ways to forgive people for you know various various reasons, um, and that was that was really good. It was very therapeutic, awesome, um, and what, helped can, me get through. Some, can you tell uh, me what it was called? Uh, I think it was called "Forgive and Forget" by oh, okay. I got Smeed Smeeds Smeeds. And what do you love about it? Uh, it just helped me like think through, like why. How, how to forgive somebody, why that person did what they did, and not just it, – it, like there's just a lot of gray area in forgiveness and trauma and why people did – people do certain things to you. Um, so help me with that. Um, so I would definitely if, – if you have things in life that you need to forgive or you just want to read a good self-help book, I feel like that was pretty good. This is why I freaking love you because never would I have guessed that you'd be like, you know, I was thinking about forgiveness and I read this book on forgiveness. 
So you, you really have proven today, Worm, you cannot put Big Worm in a box. Thank you. You're welcome. Parting <laughs> words for the sports PTs across all of America. What do you got, Worm? Um, like the athletes that you treat, I would say continue to learn, continue to be open, and continue to work. Because at least that's what I do. Yeah, you do, and, and you lead by example. You've been awesome to have on the pod. I can't wait to get you and Ricard back so I can see that other side of Chris Wormley because it's probably terrifying. I don't, I don't know if we did a, did a pod together. I don't know if, how much we would get out of it like on this one. Like, I we feel would. Like your, listeners would, your listeners would just like turn off and be like, okay, we're, these, <laughs> these two meatheads in, in a PT are trying to have a debate or a discussion, so... I'll but I would love to have I, a... I, would, I, think, I think that would be, that would be awesome. We'll, we'll see if we can make that happen. Um, where can yeah. we find you? Because you got your own pod. You got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Tell me about, tell me about you. Uh, so I, mean, I had a podcast with the Steelers, these two Steelers, uh, these Yinzers, as we like to call them in Pittsburgh. Um, but that was the last two seasons. We haven't done it. I mean, we, did, we just did, did episodes during the season. You can find me on Instagram. I think I'm big worm, big underscore worm 43. Um, Twitter, more so just retweets. Um, but yeah, you find me, find me on Instagram usually or, or, or Twitter. I love, I do love your reposts on Instagram. You got a good repost game, dude. Um, <laughs> I try to keep was, it light. You do a good job light. of it. You do a good job of it. You've taught me a ton. I know you've just taught my audience a ton. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for being just a, a great dude and a good friend. It's awesome to catch up with you. I can't mm -hmm. wait to do it again. And to everyone listening, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.